0: Antitrust law is designed to prevent harms associated with consolidation in markets, including in the healthcare industry. Yet in recent years, increased healthcare consolidation has contributed to higher prices without necessarily improving quality of care or access to care. I'm Stephen Morrissey, managing editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Jamie King, chair in health law and a professor of law at the University of Auckland in New Zealand. As part of the journal's series on the fundamentals of health law, Professor King has written a perspective article about healthcare antitrust law. Professor King, you write in your perspective article that throughout the healthcare industry, consolidation has occurred by means of horizontal, vertical, and cross-market transactions. Could you explain how those various types of mergers work and what their advantages are from a business standpoint?
1: Definitely. So consolidation can occur in healthcare just like in any industry through As you said, horizontal, vertical, or cross-market transactions. So a horizontal transaction will be where one entity merges with another entity that's a direct competitor in the same market. So this would be where two hospitals in the same market merge together. A vertical transaction is where two entities that are in the same supply chain but are not direct competitors merge with one another. And In the healthcare space, we tend to think of that in a situation where a hospital or a health system acquires a physician organization or a physician group or a laboratory that's not a direct competitor with the hospital, but might refer patients, and the hospital might refer patients to that entity. And so that's considered to be vertical. And then a cross-market merger is a situation where a hospital or a hospital system in one geographic area might acquire another healthcare entity like a hospital or a healthcare system or a provider group in a different geographic area. And each of these have distinct advantages and disadvantages. So a horizontal merger has sort of all the obvious advantages that one thinks of when you think about a merger. So for that merging entity, they then own a larger share of that market and have greater leverage when negotiating, with either suppliers or in terms of being able to price more aggressively with consumers. Vertical mergers, historically, people have thought of them as providing much more efficiency because you then own a bigger part of the supply chain, which means that you have a direct supply of goods and services that you need within that particular supply chain to a hospital that say, acquires an orthopedic group that then refers patients regularly to the hospital, that can improve the flow of patients in that hospital. Cross-market mergers have been significantly more questionable into how they could benefit the merging entities or potentially be anti-competitive. But the thinking here is, in the research on the cross-market mergers has been much more recent, overall. But the thinking on that is that by acquiring larger portions of the healthcare market, so having larger hospital systems and more providers in a particular broader geographic area like a region like Northeastern United States, that those health systems, those entities will have greater bargaining leverage with insurers that are trying to sell insurance products to large employers that have employees in broader parts of that region.
0: And then what do we know about how these mergers affect healthcare prices?
1: There's actually been quite a bit of research on how mergers and acquisitions and consolidation more generally affect prices. We know that horizontal mergers in all aspects of healthcare have repeatedly shown to drive up prices, and in some instances, quite substantially. But they also don't just affect prices. We know that they can have pretty significant impacts on access to care, as a lot of times... Merging entities will close off certain sort of less productive areas and services. And then a lot of times, mergers in this space have been justified by they're going to improve quality or they're going to make the market more efficient or they're going to provide more efficient care or better information transfer within the system. And what the data shows is that there's either no change in quality or the quality tends to go down a little bit following these mergers. And so there is quite a bit of evidence suggesting, especially with horizontal mergers that the impacts are largely negative concerning price and access and um, pretty stable with regards to quality.
0: You say in your article that private equity firms have recently invested heavily in healthcare providers. So what's behind that increased activity and what are the implications for clinicians and patients?
1: Well, what we've seen is that this is another form of consolidation. So we've seen private equity come in and start to purchase initially large numbers of radiology groups, anesthesiology groups. And now we're starting to see it spread out into broader other areas. And what that means is that even though it's not a horizontal merger per se, they're still coming in under one consolidated entity. And it means that private equity can negotiate, those firms can negotiate on behalf of those entities, which means it's a different form of consolidation that can lead to reductions in access or increases in price. And so what we see there is that the studies on private equity are still pretty new. And so it's a real area to watch, but it is another form of consolidation where we're starting to see the healthcare industry become even more commercialized, even more on the business side of care and less about patient outcomes. And I think that's the major concern for a lot of people who are looking at private equity coming into healthcare.
0: Could you outline the primary antitrust laws in the United States that are intended to protect against these kinds of harms and what kinds of remedies can be imposed to address anti-competitive conduct?
1: So there are three major federal antitrust laws that govern competition in the United States. And that's The Clayton Act, and then the Sherman Antitrust Act and the Federal Trade Commission Act. Under the Clayton Act, federal and state antitrust enforcers can challenge any merger or acquisition that might substantially lessen competition or tend to create a monopoly. And so when you hear about the FTC or the DOJ going in and challenging a merger, they're doing it under the Clayton Act generally. The Sherman Antitrust Act is used to challenge any competitive conduct by market actors. And so the act prohibits actions between market actors, things like price fixing or where they're engaging in some kind of conspiracy to set prices or divide a market between them, any kind of contract or agreement between them. And then also the Sherman Antitrust Act regulates individual market actors from trying to monopolize a market or engaging in other anti-competitive acts on their own. Finally, the Federal Trade Commission Act or the FTC Act created the Federal Trade Commission and empowered it to prevent unfair methods of competition or deceptive acts that affect commerce. And this act also allows the FTC to go in and enforce the Sherman Act and the Clayton Act. So it's sort of a broader, more overarching act together. These acts in combination enable federal antitrust enforcers, but also state antitrust enforcers to bring challenges against anti-competitive conduct and anti-competitive mergers. And they can do this through a number of different types of remedies. So when we think about the solutions that are available to antitrust enforcers, we tend to break them into two groups. Ones are sort of structural solutions, and the others are based on conduct. So, in terms of structural solutions, these are things that prevent an anti-competitive structure from happening or stop it from continuing. And so when you think about challenging an anti-competitive merger, that would prevent, The anti-competitive structure. So that would prevent two hospitals that are direct competitors from coming together by just blocking the merger. But in another situation, you might have a situation where you have a health system that has a small cardiology practice in a particular area, say southeastern Chicago, and it wants to acquire a physician's group that has another strong cardiology practice in that space. You may not want to block the merger altogether, but you may want to prevent those two direct competitors from coming together. And so the structural solution in that place would be to approve the merger, but with the condition that that small cardiology practice is divested, which means it's sold off from the merged entity to prevent that any competitive structure from occurring. There are also remedies that focus more on conduct. So these would be challenges to direct any competitive behaviors or actions by market actors, things like price increases or imposing or requiring any competitive contract terms, things like all or nothing clauses or anti-tiering clauses from being included in contracts. So the other thing that can be done there is they can either be directly challenged if those actions are occurring or if a merger has been proposed and is being evaluated, antitrust enforcers could then condition the merger on the idea that the merged entity will not engage in certain behaviors, like it won't raise prices above a certain threshold, or it will maintain certain women's health services or ER services for a certain period of time. And so those would be more focused on conduct.
0: But despite these laws and remedies, the U.S. healthcare industry is the most consolidated it's ever been. Why has antitrust law not succeeded in preventing increased consolidation?
1: It's a great question. I think that a number of different factors gave rise to this. And one thing that has happened is that antitrust law has not sort of kept up with the changes in the healthcare industry over time. And so for a while, there was a time period where to bring an antitrust challenge to a particular type of merger. The courts were using standards that really were typically being used in other types of markets with other types of care. And that was really focusing on how patients would access these types of healthcare providers and really looking at, well, where would patients go? If you're looking at acute care services, are the patients going to hospitals in Southeast Chicago? Instead of looking at the idea that the real market and where prices are negotiated is not at the patient level. It's really much more at the level of the insurer. And so the insurer is setting prices and they're looking at the entire acute care market for all of the Chicago area, not just a smaller region. And so because of those kinds of mismatches, what we saw was the FTC and DOJ lose six straight healthcare merger challenges in a very short amount of time. And then they stopped bringing those merger challenges for quite some time. And so in that time frame, healthcare entities started to merge quite a bit because they simply were not being challenged at the state or the federal level. We also saw that there were safe harbors being created around certain types of consolidative actions by the FTC and DOJ in the healthcare space, because there was some belief that merging healthcare entities together would help improve efficiency and could lower prices. And so as a result, mergers in healthcare and consolidation in healthcare was just not as strongly enforced as it could have been and should have been in that time frame which has sort of resulted in what we see today.
0: So finally, moving forward, what regulatory or legal steps do you think are going to be necessary to avoid the negative effects that are associated with consolidation in the healthcare markets?
1: So I think that we need to see certainly a much stronger enforcement of our antitrust laws in the healthcare space. We need to see a much broader conception of how healthcare markets work and a much more in-depth and sophisticated sense of how the healthcare markets and the networks being brought by different healthcare entities are kind of fitting together. I think that's going to be really important. But the other piece of it is that even if we had much stronger enforcement at the federal level, the FTC and DOJ are not going to be able to bring case after case after case after case, challenge after challenge. We're going to need to see much stronger merger oversight at the state level, which we've started to see really pick up in states like Oregon, California, and Massachusetts. We see a lot of hope coming out of the FTC and DOJ at the federal level that they are going to start engaging in much stronger merger review. They have recently repealed three antitrust enforcement agency policy statements related to healthcare that I think signal that they're going to be much stronger in this space and look at healthcare mergers much more on a case-by-case basis so that's kind of what we can do in the antitrust space a sort of vigorous antitrust enforcement and much stronger merger review for smaller mergers at the state level but then there are places where competition is just no longer functioning markets lack competition almost overall we see the overwhelming majority of metropolitan hospital markets Are highly or super concentrated, and so what we're seeing in that space is there might not be any competition left to protect. And so in that instance, there's really two avenues you can go down. First is that you can start breaking up major health systems, as we saw in the 1980s when AT and T was broken up into a number of different baby bills. That's never been done in healthcare. It's always sort of been assume that that would not be on the table, although it is certainly an antitrust remedy that could be sought in this space for, for very large actors. The other option would be to start thinking more seriously about regulation and that there needs to be a better regulation, not only to protect competition and the functioning of the markets, but also to prevent against some of these negative outcomes that we see. So things like price caps, things like affordability standards and other types of regulation, like hospital of budgets, that might really start to constrain prices and really regulate quality. And so I think what we need to see is better regulation and also stronger antitrust enforcement.
0: Thank you, Professor King.